hate to feed your 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 Phillies side here, but I've been over the Phillies really all offseason because I've been saying, well, you know, they have the money and the space on the roster to just improve with a couple of signings. I think they really did that in a big way. The Schwarber signing was absolutely massive. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Wednesday. The voice that you heard there was Kenny Ducey, our next guest. Kenny Ducey, of course, of the Action Network. He's been high on the Phillies for a while, talking there uh, back in March after the Kyle Schwarber signing. He joins us now, not Kent, not Kyle Schwarber, but Kenny Ducey of the Action Network to talk about the World <laughs> Series we get set for Game 4. Kenny's on the GetMyPhoenix.com guest line, the Phoenix Day Revolutionary Technology, helping men all across America get back to their best in the bedroom. Visit GetMyPhoenix.com to learn more. Kenny, the Phillies are up 2-1. to one. Uh, let, Let's start with this. Home field advantage in, in baseball, in the World Series. I mean, it's not something that typically we, we talk about, like, it's a needle mover. Obviously, it helps, but... It feels like something's going on at Citizens Bank Park. The Phillies have scored 42 runs in six home games. What do you make of this? Is this just park-driven because of their players? Do you think there's some mojo going on? What do you make of it as two more games set for Citizens Bank Park this week? Yeah, well, first of all, if you want to bump me for Kyle Schwarber anytime, you don't have to give me any notice. (laughs) Kyle Schwarber can take my spot. But uh, in all seriousness, yeah, I, I think that Tom Verducci on the field before the game last night called it the biggest home field advantage in sports or maybe one of the biggest home field advantages in sports. And I think that that's pretty accurate. You know, I think that you look at the, you know, you hear the atmosphere there. These fans are, are just, you know, you can sense, you can feel the hunger for postseason baseball they've had. Um, and, and I think that that goes a long way and you're seeing how well the field, I mean, it, it's undeniable the splits, the home road splits, how well they hit at home. Um, it's hard to explain, you know, and obviously we come on here, we talk about quantifiable information, but, you know, aside, you know, they, they perform better at home. It has to be something about that atmosphere. It has to be, you know, it can't certainly be the dimensions, but I will say the ball seemed like it was flying out last night. I don't know how bright, uh, how Brandon Marsh's ball went out to right field, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is, but they love playing there and. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to lose a game the game there anymore. Ooh, well, that's where I was going to go. You've been saying Phillies in five. I don't know how much of that is in jest. All of us on this show would be a big fan of that since uh, we grabbed them early in the season after they fired Binder Joe. Uh, is it is it going back? Are Thurs is Thursday going to be a celebration? Is there going to be a parade this weekend in Philadelphia? Will we be drinking Mattress Max tears? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I think we will all be drinking mattress. I don't know if anyone Ew. saw the videos last night of him yeah. yesterday. I mean, guy looked like he was frozen in time. But no, I, I think that uh, I, I think that this is going to be a tough one tonight with Christian Javier. Uh, the way I looked at the series, the Christian Javier start was always the one that I thought was going to give the Phillies the most trouble, and obviously they struggled to hit for Amber Valdez. Um, I guess the one silver lining here is that Javier hasn't pitched in so long. But I don't know if that's really going to make a huge difference. The, the Astros' bullpen is also incredibly rested. But, I mean, then again, you know, the, the Phillies have beaten up on better starters or, or maybe comparable starters, I should say. I, I, for my money, Javier is like one of the best in baseball um, at home. So, 
you never know what's going to happen at, at Citizens Bank Park. And the good news for the Phillies is that the rain was able to push Nola back to the game for mm-hmm. uh, start. I was I was worried about Suarez versus Javier. I thought coming in that was a big mismatch. Um, to get Nola against Javier, I know he's been bad the last couple starts, but he's Aaron Nola. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball for most of the regular season. He had a great start to the postseason. So I'm confident he can get it back. And the Astros, you know, they, they continue to really slump. Jordan Alvarez continues to be in a huge funk. And we talked about Jose Altuve coming out of his, you know, slump because of what one good game. Uh, he, you know, he, he looks pretty timid once again at the plate. Um, so, I, you know, I don't really know what to make of this Astros lineup right now. And, you know, I, I don't – I guess I have to continue to say Phillies in five because it was such a bold claim and it's so close. But I will say this is a, a potential trouble spot here. But it's good news, at least, that Aaron Nola gets to start. Yeah, so it sounds like you think Aaron Nola will bounce back and get back to his ace form. But what about the Phillies' bullpen? Because they really didn't use their good arms. How much of an advantage will that be tonight? Well, I saw Mike Petriello on Twitter talking about how it was a disadvantage that the Astros weren't using their bullpen arms last night. Um, and, and mm. I, you know, I don't know if I agree, but it's an interesting point. I mean, the Phillies' bullpen is in such a good rhythm right now. They haven't allowed a run all-world series. Uh, and, and, you know, to go into a game, you know, with a guy, I, I think that going into a game with everyone rested is definitely a good thing. Um, I just know with the hectic nature of this postseason schedule, I don't know if it throws anyone off. To, to have a, day, a night off, but I mean, I, I would tend to agree with you that, yes, I think it's a big advantage. I think the Phillies bullpen has been a, a huge strength for them, and I, I you know, I, I, I think it's going to matter more in this game than in others, because it's going to be a lot harder for the Phillies to hang five runs in the first five innings against Javier. Um, this game, probably a very low-scoring one throughout, and I think that the bullpens are going to do the heavy lifting. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's definitely a huge advantage. And, the, you know, I think the Phillies have the advantage offensively as well, which is another another key factor. I mean, they, they have a higher OPS this postseason, and they're hitting the ball well. Kenny Ducey joining us here the Action Network. We're talking uh, the World Series game four tonight, Christian Javier and Aaron Nola. Kenny, so you think it's a, uh, a lower-scoring game tonight. Are there any hitters that you do like the matchup? I, I know you said Javier's a tough one. He is. He's one of baseball's best pitchers. Now, we did see the Astros hit Noel a little bit in game one. Uh, it, Tucker, obviously, was the guy there. Do, do you see anyone, either side, you like tonight? Props, extra bases, or total bases, home runs, anything tonight? Well, I've been all over this, these Bryson stop props, uh, and he didn't get a hit last night, and he's now gone two straight. Uh, he's gone two straight games without a hit, and it's starting to worry me a little bit. He has been my cash cow this postseason because his numbers continue to come in just super, super low. I think he was minus 135 to get a hit last night. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to be tempted to take him once again, but it's a different sort of matchup for the Phillies here because this is a fastball pitcher in Christian Javier. The last couple of games we've had guys that love to throw a curveball, love to throw a slider. That was one of my handicap last night. Um, there is no better fastball hitter than Kyle Schwarber on the Philadelphia Phillies. I would be inclined to maybe take him to hit a home run again. But I think a pretty safe bet would be JT Real Muto. He's 328 against fastballs this year. Um, he has been swinging a pretty good bat this postseason, and especially in this series, a 293 expected batting average against fastballs, um, and also a guy that can handle breaking balls as well. Um, I know he didn't have a great game last night, but I think he probably bounces back in a big way. I know, obviously, 
just to take him to get a hit straight up is still going to be rather expensive. So maybe throwing him in a parlay with a Bryce Harper, I, I don't mind that at all. Um, but you know what? I also may go back to the wall once again with Bryson Stott because the, the price just continues to, to stay cheap. It'll be uh, – I haven't actually looked this morning, but it probably will be cheaper than it was last night because he's gone two straight games without a hit. So I'd maybe say Stott and Real Muto to get hits. Those are good places to look at uh, at some props and maybe Schwarber to go deep again. All right. Uh, Kenny, want to transition to a little bit of football uh, since you are a Jets fan. Uh, one of the reaction talking points I, I felt was the year two quarterbacks. We're supposed to be seeing strides from these guys. And, you know, I, I'm here in Chicago and I'm watching a year two quarterback. We saw struggles from Trevor Lawrence, the turnovers from Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. It felt like another step back. And then Davis Mills, when, when he's been strong at home, he had issues this past, past week. Ellinger had his first start. What do you think about this uh, this year two class overall? And do you think there's a decent chance that we look back and say, you know what, all, all these all these you had five guys go in the first round, number of quarterbacks given opportunities, and maybe none of them hit. Yeah, I don't think very much of this class. I don't. I'm sure that no one else does either. And I think it's a good lesson. Now the Lawrence thing is different because I think Lawrence is is pretty pretty good. Um, you know he he was obviously I mean people probably called him a can't miss quarterback prospect. I think he probably went into a bad situation. I do think that he um, you know is is different you know than a lot of these other guys. I don't necessarily think that means he's gonna break out and be a great quarterback and and you know that much better than any of the other guys that were drafted in this class. But what I will say is one of the things that's really grinded my gears about the NFL for years now uh, is that GMs, and it's likely because of the pressure of being on a, a contract, right? I, mean, I wouldn't say a short-term contract, but, you know, generally GMs have three or four years to kind of build out the team and show that they can do something. Um, and so I, I understand why the phenomenon exists, but I think that we are way too quarterback happy in the NFL. I think that teams will just reach for a quarterback that's not great, not a great fit, because they're starting, you know, they're starting a new job as GM. Uh, they got a new head coach, and that's that's tradition. You know, when you have a new a new regime, they got to get their quarterback. Um, a good example of this: the New York Giants were obsessed with Justin Herbert, right? Obsessed. Dave Gettleman was thinking about getting rid of Daniel Jones after one year because he wanted he he always wanted Justin Herbert. He thought he was going to come out in the Daniel Jones year. He didn't come out. The Giants had a quarterback in Eli Manning, and they decided to just essentially reach right for Daniel Jones. I don't think anyone would have taken Daniel Jones where they took him. It doesn't. It's not an indictment on Jones or or you know how he's playing right now. But the fact of the matter is that I think a lot of teams just because they feel like they don't have an amazing quarterback, they just continue to draft quarterbacks. And what that does is that limits your ability to develop a quarterback because you're just now you're cutting bait really quick. But also. I think that you're getting the wrong quarterback because you're just, you know, not all of these quarterbacks can be good. So, um, you know, and, and not even the ones that are drafted late in drafts, apparently with Russell Wilson now, you know, maybe he was never good in the begin uh, to begin with. So, you know, I, I think that it, what it comes down to is I don't know if this quarterback class is great, but to be fair, like, I don't know how many quarterback classes are great is my, is my point. Um, I think it's going to be really difficult to land, um, you know, a, a great class where it's like, you know, you got, six teams drafting quarterbacks in the first two rounds and two or three of them hit. Like, I think that's going to be a, a rarity. I think we've seen it be a rarity. And, um, you know, it, it just continues to be a tough position to solve. But I think what you're seeing this year, 
you know, even a, even a guy like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo stepping into a situation he wasn't supposed to be in. You put a good team around a quarterback. You, know, you build out the line. You get offensive talent, a good defense. It doesn't really matter if your quarterback's amazing. Uh, they just need to not do anything bad with the football. And, you know, the guy who you brought up, Zach Wilson, uh, he, didn't, he did that for the last three weeks. He didn't, he didn't turn the football over. The Jets are winning, and, and he didn't need to do uh, anything. But now he feels like he has to force it because they're down Brees Hall, they're down Elijah Vera Tucker, and you're starting to see bad things happen. So, I don't know. Uh, I think we have to, we're going to start to have a discussion about how valuable the quarterback position is in the next 10 years. Uh, and I think that all these quarterbacks having a mid-off is certainly spurring this discussion, sparring discussion, because, uh, you know, I, I don't know if any of these guys are going to end up being good. <laughs> I love the Russell Wilson slander, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for all of that. All right, who do you think? I thought the trade deadline was really exciting. I love to see all the action in the NFL. When I grew up, they, nobody was doing anything. Um, and now we're seeing all these trades. Who do you think was a winner um, at this trade deadline? I mean, some good candidates. You got the Ravens, Bills, Dolphins, Vikings. Um, what impressed you? Who do you think came out on top? Yeah, I, you, you, I also just want to say, like, this, the trade deadline was great. And, and it was exciting. There were a lot of teams that, that went and added impact players. Um, I don't know how TJ Hawkinson got mixed up in that. I don't know if TJ Hawkinson's impact <laughs> on the, the Vikings is nowhere – is anywhere near you know Bradley Chubb with the Dolphins, right? Like that's a huge trade getting Bradley right. Chubb. But because because like I think there was an anticipation that like that was going to be the biggest move, and you know everyone wanted to get excited that oh T.J. Hawkinson, and then like all these other like better players got traded. Um, yeah, I think the Bradley Chubb trade to me because that's a very interesting division. I, I looked at the you know and and you want to talk about me being right about the Phillies. Uh, I think I was very wrong about Tua Tungavailoa. I think he looks really good. I think that Dolphins team yeah. low-key looks a little scary. And I know that they struggled with the, the Lions, but the Lions put up a pretty solid fight on offense. I think Bradley Chubb could be, you know, a very impact player in that AFC East. It's, gonna, it's a very interesting division. I think it's going to continue to be a very interesting division for the next few years. Um, but, you know, th there's not much separating the Bills and the Dolphins right now. We're still early enough in the season um, you know, they could, they could make a run. I'm not going to say the Dolphins could win the AFC East, but, uh, you know, I mean, they could certainly make the Bills think about it, uh, you know, if they, if they can turn things up on defense. And that's what Bradley Chubb does. And that's a team now that went out and, you know, ha has, has successfully turned some assets into, into some great players with the Tyree Kill trade, the, uh, you know, going up and getting Jalen Waddell. So um, they're, they're doing very, very well for themselves. And, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's some flashy ads like Chase Claypool. But I think ultimately that's got to be the biggest trade that was made yesterday and one that could really, really help the Dolphins uh, in the, the end of the season. Great stuff. Kenny, we always appreciate you hopping on. Enjoy the rest of the World Series. And uh, hoping you're right, Phillies in five. That was Kenny Ducey on the GetMyPhoenix.com guest line. The Phoenix, a revolutionary technology helping men all across America get back to their best in the bedroom. Visit GetMyPhoenix.com to learn more. We may need a whole segment just to react to Kenny. I mean, that was, <laughs> he just threw yeah. a lot at us. Rip and Russell Wilson, the Hawkinson trade, Phillies. I mean, that was, that was it's great. I'm glad we're going to a quick break because I'm loving That was great. Can't we'll react you. to it all coming up. We'll react to it all coming up right here on the Becky Wall Network.